Hello there. This is a psychology report. <clears throat> Say, um, parenting is a critical matter of life and death for children, actually. As a result of your parenting, you know, children are going to thrive, succeed, achieve, contribute, participate, connect, or they're going to isolate, withdraw, reduce their impact, uh, submit, be subject to suggestion and influence of others. So parenting is a very critical uh, task. And the thing that you have to keep in mind as a parent, whether you're a parent today or parenting is a little bit into your future, but doesn't matter. But the idea of parenting you have to get through your mind and is this. Parenting is for the future of the child. You know, we think in the home, we think in our family life, we think in our relationship with our children. We parent for the situation that they're in today and the circumstance that you're trying to re take care of and resolve and process today. Well, that's true. But ultimately, and what you have to keep in mind is, parenting is the future of the child. What is the direction? What is the goal? What is the outcome? What is the way? What's the way that you would like to see your children direct their lives and thrive in and become an achiever? How would you like to see the child's future be manifest? That's what's important. Because what you do today will determine the child's future. How you influence that child today will determine what that child's future will be. So we have to always keep in mind what we do influences the child's future, but what we do should be deliberately and intentionally done for the sake of creating a good, positive, healthy future for our children. Now, given that, let me ask you a couple of questions about your own parenting, okay? Number one, do you follow through? You know, do you follow through on every commitment that you make? Do you follow through on every promise you make? Do you follow through on tasks that you start? Do you follow through on the intentions and the goals that you set forth per day and per week and per month? In other words, are you a person that follows through? If you are, you got the quality of a good parent. See, it's not just your parenting skills that you follow through with. It's, is this a life skill as you as an adult, as you as a parent? Is this your life skill to follow through and to uh, finish, if you will, what you start? To bring to some kind of conclusion the things that you get involved in. So children need to see you as a model of follow through. They're more likely to follow through themselves. Children need a parent that will follow through on what they commit to and what they promise and what they start and the involvements that they have with their children. Follow through is important, number one. Okay, number two. Do you involve your child in rulemaking and in decision-making? You know, in the home, we make rules. That's true. Rules are like laws. It makes the home run smoothly. Laws make a country, a city, a county, a nation run smoothly. We got to have rules as we have to have laws. Unfortunately, people just don't naturally do the right thing or the good thing. 
Sometimes we do have people and children among them that do the things that they want and that they think is in their best interest when that really is not in their best interest at all. So we set rules. And we want a household that's run on uh, a certain level of uh, congeniality and a certain level of uh, orderliness and follow-through. So we set rules. And in setting rules, it's important that children participate. Children not just be handed a set of rules to live by, but that they contribute to the setting up of those rules because then they're more likely to follow through. Same with decision-making. You make a decision as a, as a family, as a parent, but do you involve your children in those decision-making process, in the decision-making process? You should. Children have to live out your decisions. Children have to follow through on your decisions. Why shouldn't they be part of the decision-making process? And not only for that situation, but in the process you're teaching children to make rules for themselves in life, and you're teaching children to make decisions in life. So decision-making involving children is a teaching opportunity, not just one to get through a particular situation and deal with it. So in your rule-making at home, your decision-making at home, involve your children. You know, it doesn't matter what the rule is. It doesn't matter what the decision is, how big, how small. Children should be part of that, okay? Number three, do you use rewards liberally? You know, do you commend, do you praise, do you affirm, do you support your children when they do good, when they do the right things, when they achieve, when they excel, when they have done something praiseworthy? Are you there to be the cheerleader? Are you there to be the praising person? Are you there to be the rewarding person in their life? Do you reinforce them for their good behavior? You see, this is the way it works. We do those behaviors which lead to reward. We tend to avoid those behaviors and eliminate those behaviors in our life that lead to punishment or lead to no reward whatsoever. You see? So in the process of learning behavior in a lifestyle, focus on good behavior, on appropriate behavior, on desirable behavior, and reward it when it occurs. Reward it liberally. But use a lot of reinforcement. I often ask parents, are you a rewarding parent? And they'll say they think they are. So we look at how many praises and approvals and affirmations they've given per day. And some parents give quite a few. Some parents give very, very few. So it, we need to be a parent that approves and affirms, particularly when a child does the right thing, the good thing, the desirable thing, the wanted behavior. You say, that's where you reward. That's the behavior reward. And you reward it immediately. Let me ask you another question. Do you explain why you punish? Do you explain that a different behavior would have been the better behavior than the one that was engaged in? You know, children do behave in a variety of ways. A lot of times they just behave very nicely and very appropriately. You need to reward those behaviors. But there are times when a child misbehaves, kind of miscalculates, if you will. It makes a poor judgment. It makes a poor decision. Doesn't doesn't do the right thing. Okay, you need to deal with that. You may deal with that with a pretty firm punishment. You may deal with that with a voice of correction. You may deal with that with an instruction of correction. But here's what punishment is. Punishment tells a child what not to do. But it never tells a child what to do. 
So we can't rely on punishment. It's okay to stop a behavior with punishment, but you have to redirect that child to know what is the more appropriate behavior in that given situation, in that circumstance. What is the behavior that's wanted as compared to the behavior that's not wanted? Both of them have to be discussed. When you sit down and talk to a child, sure, you talk to the child by saying, this is the behavior that is inappropriate. It's not appropriate to behave that way. It's an unwanted behavior, and you are to stop it. You are not to engage in that kind of behavior. And then you say, now here is the behavior that you can engage in, need to engage in. I want you to behave in a certain way under that particular circumstance and at, at, at times when those situations occur. Tell the child what to do, not just tell the child what not to do. Okay, let's move on. Do you listen carefully? Do you listen actively to your child? See, children learn their listening skills when you listen to them. Children learn how to attend when you attend to them. Children learn how to listen actively when you listen actively. Children learn to listen carefully when you listen carefully. See, when a child talks, you stop. You stop what you're doing. You get down to eye level, and you give your child that full attention. And you nod, and you smile, and you ask for more information, and you interact with that child so that you get the information the child is trying to convey. You help the child voice and express the feelings, the ideas, the words that they're trying to express. So listen actively and listen carefully. You're helping children learn how to listen. But it's important for a child to know he's valued because you listened. Okay, move on. Do you deal with problems quickly? Hey, good parents deal with problems. But good parents deal with problems quickly. You don't let a child engage in an inappropriate behavior very long over and over and over and over again. You don't let that happen. You deal with it the first time it is inappropriate and first time it occurs. In other words, get on the problem. You not necessarily get on the child, but get on the problem. Get get with it. Deal with it. Stop it. Change it. Alter it. Uh, modify it. Do whatever you need to do and whatever you want to do and whatever is appropriate. But deal with a problem quickly and swiftly and firmly and then follow through letting the child know that you notice the change and you're appreciative. Now, what about another one? Do you act consistently in your expectations and directions? You know, it's important that we have expectations for our children. It's important that we tell our children what we want. We give them direction. That's true. But are we consistent? Is the expectation that we have today the same expectation we'll have next week? Or we had a week ago? Is the direction that we give them today the same direction we would give them any day, every day? You see, we, we don't change directions because we'll never get to the goal. You stay with the direction. You stay with it. Once you determine it, once you set your expectation, stay with that because that's the goal. That's the objective. That's what you want to see the child engage in and become. So our expectations are very important. Children look to see what you expect of them. Children wait for the words of what you expect of them. Children wait for that direction, that example, if you will, that you give as to what is expected of your children. And when you then set that expectation, 
they'll tend to follow through. So it's the direction that you give them, the expectation you give them. Make sure it's clear, make sure it's precise, make sure it's consistent, and it's consistent over time. Don't change. Unless there's a reason to change, then you have to sit down and talk about it. We used to expect this when you were three, but we expect this now that you're four. Or we expected this when you were in junior high, now you're in high school, we expect that. I mean, sure there's expectational change because of age and circumstances and whatever, but that needs to be talked about. You don't just change your expectations and your directions. You discuss them. Okay, one more. Do you encourage family unity? You know, a good parent brings a family together. There's unity. Whether you have one child, child or three, whether you're a single parent home or a dual parent home, whether you're a father that's being a father and a mother, or you're a mother who's being a mother and a father, you know, whatever. But do you encourage unity? Do you give that sense of this is who we are? We are who we are. We are not our neighbors. We are not our friends. We are not the family down the block. We're not what other people do. We're not what other kids do. We do what we do. We are a family. We unify. We all support certain things. We all behave in certain ways. We all stand for certain values. We all go to church on Sunday. We all uh, follow through on our commitments. We all serve the poor. We all help our neighbors. We, we, whatever it is, we do this as a unit, as a family. And the more things you do as a unit and as a family, the more unity there will be. A more sense of a family will prevail within your unit. So a family unit is extremely important to kids. They need to know that they belong to a family. They need to know they belong to a unit. They need to know that they're unified with their brothers, their sisters, their, their family members. And sometimes even when you have divorce and separation, that can still be a unity. The child can have a unified feeling with the father and a unified feeling with the mother, even though they're in living different situations. So it's harder, it's true, but it can be done if you foster that. And now lastly, let me just come to this point. Do you consult a professional when problems persist and a problem resists the efforts that you put forth to change that behavior? You see, do what you can, but if it doesn't work, then you better consult. If, it doesn't, if you can't follow through, if you can't bring about the change, then get somebody to help you do it. That's what a counselor is for. That's what a professional psychologist does, a married and family counselor, a social worker. They help you decide on and develop the skills that are necessary to manage your child in the home, to help your child become the person that they are born to be and intended to be and can be. You see, it's important that we know what our children can do, but we have to help them do it and get to that point in life. And if you have trouble, then you better consult somebody. And do it. Do it right away. Do it as a family. And it's not to be embarrassed about that. It's a matter of making yourself stronger as a mother, as a father, as a family. Making yourself more effective as a mother, father, and as a family. Making yourself much more uh, unified together as a family so that you work together and play together and love each other. Hey, this has been the Psychology Report. Thanks for being with me today. And I refer you to my book, Dr. Teach Me to Parent. It's in my website. You can find that by going to 
booksbyhedberg.com. And um, you'll find a lot of good stuff there. You know, to help you in your own parenting. So, bye for now.